Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. The NABC Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Learfield. Now, here's your host, Coach Gary Waters. Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. My name's Gary Waters, and I'm the host of this podcast. And I got a special guest on today. You know, he and I go back a little way, so we know each other. And uh, to be exact, he was the, his past job was at Cleveland State, the last place I was at. So we got similar ties there. So how, how do you feel, Coach? Welcome to the podcast. Coach Waters, it's always great to see you, visit with you. I, I, I am so appreciative of you and I's relationship. When I first got the job at Cleveland State, uh, I reached out to you and I can remember how welcoming um, you were, but also to be able to coach on the sidelines at the place that you revived yourself and have a history at. You are a true Hall of Famer that will come uh, soon, I hope, at Cleveland State. So I appreciate all you've done and the help you've, you've allowed me uh, and the mentorship provided. Well, great, great. So we got a lot of questions, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope we get through them all. But we'll do. We'll we'll see what comes along. Absolutely. My ask is, you know, take us through the process of accepting the Missouri job, okay? And yeah. uh, and how has it been since you've been there? Well, it it was an easy decision for me uh, when it came down to Mizzou. Uh, being able to look back on my life. I've been prepared for opportunities uh, to rebuild, but also reconstruct places that have had a rich tradition. Um, And I learned that from Leonard Hamilton because of what he's done throughout his career. And to be able to do that in the three-year span that we did it at Cleveland State, I was looking for a place that was similar with basketball tradition Mm -hmm. uh, that Cleveland State had, obviously, with with, with Kevin Mackey, Sweet 16, and then the success you had. Uh, that's what made me want to be at Cleveland State to revive it. So when I looked at the landscape of what would make me leave this place, I didn't want to leave. I didn't leave after year two uh, at Cleveland State, and I eventually left after year three. But I wanted to make sure it aligned correctly with the people. And the people at uh, Cleveland State, the board, the athletic director, Scott Garrett, the president, Harlan Sands all played a pivotal part. And that's what I looked at here at Mizzou, the board of curators, uh, President Moon Choi, our director of athletics, Desiree Reed Francois. Those are the key components, but also the historic tradition that we've had in our basketball program, the, the, the support from our fans, but also our student population all played a factor in, in my decision. Um, and it's been uh, unbelievable. I'm, I'm very thankful uh, and and I couldn't have scripted it any better. Well, very good, very good. And, and that leads into a couple other questions I have. One is, it's well documented that, you know, Leonard Hamilton has been a, a big influence on your career. What's the most important lesson he taught you? Uh, he, he Forward, and in, in, even in this job. Yeah, yeah. So I think when we look at the history of he and I's relationship, Coach Ham, I didn't have a previous relationship or working relationship with him before I became his GA. I think when it comes down to recruiting your mentors, putting yourself in position to learn from someone else, 
it became Leonard Hamilton's dream to see my dream come true as I shared it with him, as I was transparent with him. I just simply told him, coach, I want to be just like you. How do I do that? Right. And it became his dream to build that bridge that connected my dreams to my reality. And ultimately, you know, you have a great mentor when you call his home or his cell phone at two in the morning. And I, and, and I asked, coach, what you doing? Are you asleep? And his response is, no, man, I'm waiting on your call. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a great relationship, man. And I'm very thankful for the uh, role he plays in my life. Okay, very good. Very good. Now, you know, when you got to Missouri, you, you know, you were meeting with your players, obviously. Yeah. Tell me what, have us go through that so you, we get an understanding, meaning not just us as uh, people bringing on the program, but all yeah. the people that are listening out there. Give us a little idea how that went. I think the biggest thing is connecting that transition from the previous coach to what you're now walking into. And I, I made sure that I talked to Conzo Martin and his entire staff before oh, I yeah. met with the players, the team, just so I can get an idea of who they are. They knew right. of me before I knew of them. And more importantly, in this recruiting realm, you get to cross paths with kids. Some of them I knew, some of them I did not, but I was walking into their territory. I was invited into their space. And I want that to be seamless as possible. So I wanted them to know who I was. Conzo did a great job. And I wanted to recognize that. I wanted to recognize the difficulties that happens in transition uh, for coaches and meet them in the empathetic, empathetic space. Ultimately, I think, Coach, it came down to me sharing them with them, my core values, what I believe in, who I am, what's my background, and humanizing uh who I am and not just talking as a coach I wanted them right, to know the right. person and when you can do that you can build a bridge that connects strangers and 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 now move forward with the realities of the expectations but I wanted to do that first okay that's uh, that's very very good uh you know one of the biggest focus that in that first year I know you gotta identify certain things you gotta do what, what was the, the major thing you thought you had to do, like building culture, yeah. your campus, or, yeah. you know, what is the top priority for you? I think the top priority in a place like Mizzou is connecting the traditions and making sure that the traditions are aligned. Mm. I didn't want, I wanted to first reach out to all our former players. So I've had uh, several uh, Zoom calls and, 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 connections with them I reached out no different than I did at Cleveland State to former coaches right? <laughs> right I reached out to Norm Stewart I reached out to Quinn Snyder I reached out to Kim Anderson Mike Anderson Frank Haith and Conzo I wanted to make sure that Mizzou basketball wasn't in silos of Stewart guys or Conzo guys or Frank's guys or Mike Anderson guys or Quinn's guys or Kim's guys, I want it to be our guys, our basketball program. And now let's see what and how powerful that engine could be if we all looked at it in a uniform concept. It's a rich tradition and a tradition is still here because the tradition that really never moves is the fans and their support. So I wanted to engage the fans as well. Those are the two things that I kind of set out to do. 
and we're it's, it's always going to be a work in progress it's always going to happen uh consistently week by week and we're, we're constantly trying our very best to reach out to former managers former walk-ons former players former coaches and even former employees who poured their blood sweat and tears into the program as well Hey, very good. Very good. You know, and, and that's so vital. You know, sometimes we we overlook that because yeah. we want to get in there and dig right in and get the work yeah. done. Hey, I called. Remember when I was at Cleveland State, you connected me with Jason G. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, what I mean, your former sister, uh, Coach DeSimpler, those yeah. guys were just as important, um, you know, in, in that in that uh, space because they knew certain things from their perspective, coach. And you were great allowing me and connecting me with, with your former staff as well. And I appreciate that. Well, you know, I appreciate you. And, uh, and I know you're going to continue on doing it, <laughs> <laughs> but let me mention this to you, you know, uh, since you've been in this position and I mean, and, and uh, in, in this early season, tell me how you feel about what's going on with your team and all that. Well, coach, I'm encouraged because in this new day of, recruiting you have high school uh the signing period in november you have the signing period in april but you have a new period of recruiting and that's the portal right yes, yes. and that takes place so our team is made up of high school juco returners and portal kids who come from previous programs so i have to make sure that when I first got the job that I worked on team building, I think that was very important. And we worked with a guy by the name of Dr. Joe Carr. He's been great. Uh, so well, before, before you, before you continue on, I had Carr as well. See, there you have it. See, there you have it. <laughs> I had him at, I had him at, not only at Cleveland state. Oh no, uh-huh. I had Carr at Cleveland state. I had another one, but I did have him at uh, Kent state in Rutgers. There you have it. There you have it. Because he worked with me when I was an undergraduate student at Cal. And I told him at the age of 18, 19, I said, you know what? When I become a head coach, I want you to work with my team. And uh-huh. I called him when I got the job at Cleveland State. As soon as I got the job at Mizzou, he was right there with us. And we started team building. And what I'm seeing now is a byproduct of the time that we spent team building and getting to know each other and breaking down those true barriers that exist or that can get in the way in the heat of the moment or even in competition. The other part of it, I wanted to galvanize my staff, make sure we were all on the same page. And I did that from day one with a series of staff retreats to be able to just iron out all the wrinkles. We had unique people coming from all different places. I didn't bring my entire staff. And that's that's the part that I couldn't you know, do uh, right away. I wanted to, but I had to make sure that the program was put in a space. So, you know, that's the one hurtful thing that I think, um, you know, it really, it really still bothers me. It always will to not be able to bring your entire staff in the same positions. I did, um, you know, want them in different roles, but, you know, they're doing well. Rob Summers, associate head coach at Miami of Ohio, Drew Joyce III, associate head coach at Duquesne. But I wanted to make sure that the team building aspect was great. All of our guys right now is playing well. To be able to be 8-0 uh, is a great, great accomplishment. Oh, yes, um, yes. You know, especially be undefeated in November. And we're, we're top five in scoring in the country. We're number one in assists in the country. Uh, we are number one in steals in the country. Those things matter. Uh, but it's a small sample size, and I can't wait to see what the next eight games will bring about as well. 
well, if they look anything like this first eight years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and one of the things I want to say to you is don't beat yourself up. Right. The one thing that I had did the same thing when I went to Rutgers, I literally took my whole staff. Yeah. And I, I hadn't planned on it. I was going to take, uh, I was going to take one of theirs once yeah. I got there. But then the person that was going for the job at, at Kent State, he didn't get it. So then mm. I brought him on in there. So I took my entire staff. Yeah. I'm going to tell, tell you this, Dennis, it was the worst, the worst thing I did. Really? Because you got to connect with, especially if you're going into a new city. Yeah. In, in a new environment, you got to connect with that environment. Right. You need right. someone that can bridge that gap for you. Right. So right. don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself yeah, up. I, I wanted to simply come and assess the entire space and see what the environment um, needed, see what the program needed. And to be able to hire in this space, Kyle, Kyle Smith Peters, former head coach at um, Logan Junior College, uh, David Dickey Nutt, uh, 18, 19 year head coach, both at Arkansas State and SEMO. And then Charlton Young, a four-year head coach at Georgia Southern. Um, I was able to hire a lot of experience around me. Yeah, it sounds uh, like. And, and some great guys, in addition to uh, Michael Fly, former head coach at Florida Gulf Coast. He's my director of scouting. And he won 20 games last season. So I wanted experience. And that's the other part that I didn't think I could have in that first group. But, you know, it's never easy. It's not a perfect utopia to always um, transition as a coach, as a head coach from job to job, because you're not just leaving a head coach or or your assistants. You're leaving a family. You're leaving their children. You're leaving a community. Uh, but you have to still remain connected. And I'm thankful that those guys understand and understood um, the path uh, that. Oh, that good, we good, good. Take. You did it right. You did it Absolutely. right. It is going well for you. Yes. Yes, sir. You know, your wife is an accomplished administrator. Yes. Sports. You know, you you mentioned that to me. I know it. Yeah. How has she helped you in this in navigating your job and getting you through this entire process? Well, because she's, um, I mean, because she's a administrator. uh, What we what we kind of talk about is the boundaries and how we've done that is staying supportive. Uh, of each other in our spaces, staying uh, as supportive as we can without overstepping that boundary, right? Right. Uh, She's an administrator, and by nature, she has an idea and clue about how college athletics and how teams and things should look and be built. Um, And then from my perspective, we have ideas of what administrators are. So she helps me from the perspective of what administrators may think and I can help her from a perspective of what coaches may think, and we can both empathize in that. Oh, but the most really important good. role is to try to be as supportive as we can and balance our careers, but make sure we're great parents to our three children. Uh, Avery, she's nine. Uh, Duke, he is five, one on five rather. And Denver, he is one and a half. Okay, okay, very good, very good, excellent. Beyond winning, winning games. What kind of impact do you think you uh, you hope to have on Missouri? I, I want this place to be my last job. I want to be able to retire. Um, I want to be able to become a Hall of Famer. Um, mm. And to be a Hall of Famer, you got to do Hall of Fame things. 
and those Hall of Fame things is, you know, in my mind, listed in April. What what have have you been able to play in April? And we know what happens in April, the final right. four, right? Yeah. National championship game. Uh, but also hang banners, hold up some trophies uh is also a part of that when you cut nets and you're and you're you, you're getting getting uh, a confetti rain over your head that those things mean that you're on the path of that but you cannot become a hall of famer without hall of fame players hall of fame people hall of fame administrators hall of fame managers hall of fame assistant coaches you cannot become that if you don't have hall of fame boosters hall of fame donors hall of fame people around you so it takes a village in addition, it takes the student population and the support of our boosters and alumni and former in our community. It matters home games. Are we creating an environment that is great for them, uh, but also great for our advantages of having the atmosphere that makes us a tough place, a tough venue? Um, those things matter to me, man, and that's the legacy I want to I want to continue to leave on, but with my players, it's a long life, lifelong relationship that I that I drive for. Me being invited to their weddings, um, being a part of their transition when they put the ball down, uh, and me being there when they are not just in their ups, their celebrations, but when they're at their lows. Me me helping them no different than I've helped them transition from an eighteen year old young young guy to a um, 22, 23-year-old man. Uh, those are the things that I, I enjoy. Um, and I, I want to be there to build the bridge to their dreams, no different than uh, the coaches and educators have built the road for me to be in this seat that I hold. And I still talk to each and every last coach that have played a part in my life. And I'm very thankful uh, of them. So I just want my relationship with my players to be the same as my relationship with my coaches. Oh, that's that's unbelievable. You know, I had I, I had another podcast. I had just I mentioned this is that uh, I got a, got a call from one of my past players uh -huh. yesterday, and I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And that was Quincy Doobie. You remember that name? Yeah, yeah. Oh, big time player, Rutgers. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing. When I tell you, Dennis, he's doing extremely well. Tears came to my yeah. eyes. How well? Yeah. He's doing. And, yeah. and when when you get those kind of conversations going you realize that yeah. it did make an impact absolutely absolutely and that's the whole purpose you, you got to make an impact on their yeah. lives and that's what you're doing coach i got a call from the first player i ever signed at the university of california in 2005 2006 <laughs> jerome randall and i okay. talked to him and i'm connected with him uh always as i told him back then but he's in transition right Right. Last couple of years of his pro career, uh, but also transition in life where you have personal problems, you lose people, you lose family, friends, loved ones. And how do you help these young people navigate in the space that they hadn't been in, but also give them that type of comfort? That's rewarding to me. I got more joy out of that conversation than I did recruiting him 20 years ago, <laughs> just being there for him. So you know, we've won games together, but the excitement of that conversation of, okay, you want to get into the profession. This is what you do. Let's build out a plan. Let's figure this thing out. That, that experience and preparation was far greater than the preparation of preparing for 
Kyle's biggest rivalry in Stanford, right? When you're doing scouting reports, I'm sitting here doing a scouting report of his of his next phase, his transition, and and it was joyful uh, to see it, and I can't wait to help him execute that. Oh man, that, you don't know how wonderful that sounds. You know, that brings me to this final question I have with you, and it's usually I usually ask this final question, this question at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. and it's uh, what does when you hear the, the term or not term, it's here the phrase, guardian of the game means to you? It's a powerful statement. It's a responsibility, but also you got to look at and try to learn from those who have been protecting it because it's sort of like a, a rite of passage that's been passed to you. And your your job isn't isn't to enjoy the moment of my wins or whatever I can accomplish it's to set the table for those that's coming up after me making sure they're doing it the right way but also they have the opportunities that I have been afforded I wear I wear a rite of passage for a lot of young black coaches who have been assistants for a long time who may have been head coach or not Someone wants to give them an opportunity, but something may be holding back from that being actually a reality. Right. I want that response to be easier for that administrator and president. And I truly feel that I am a person that they can look look at and say, you know what? If Dennis Gates did it, this inner city kid whose life was not on this path, whose opportunity and others may have doubted him and said he's just a recruiter. Let's look under the surface and see how how good he really is because someone is being targeted the same way, spoken about the same way, but also not given opportunities the same way. Right, right. That may become an easier decision for that assistant coach. And there's a lot of great assistant coaches out there that deserves an opportunity. I just hope that I can set the example to administrators, presidents, board of, board of directors, board of curators, that there is some unbelievable young black coaches out there that can lead. They are CEOs. They're more than recruiters. And they have mentors like Leonard Hamilton. They have mentors like David Carter. They have mentors like Gary Waters. They got mentors like, you know, all those guys that I worked for that's going to make sure that they don't fail. I think that's the most important thing. No, that's a, that's wonderful. A wonderful answer. Now, I tell you this, Dennis, it's been great having you on the podcast. <laughs> Coach, it's always good off. hanging with you, man. It's always good. <laughs> well, hey, continue the great job you're doing. Now, you understand it's not going to get easier now. No, sir. It's no, just sir. the beginning. But keep it going. You're doing a fabulous job. Absolutely, Coach. And again, I thank you for being there for me and answering my calls when I call you and ask for some advice. So I appreciate you and all those others, guardians of the game who have consistently given back, even in the space that you're in. Uh, This is definitely something that is pouring into my cup and allowing me to be on the path that I am because I can't do it alone. It takes these conversations. So I appreciate you.